Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Evening, everyone. Evening. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Alyssa. I have the joy um, of being on the team here looking after the atrium out the back and, of course, our wonderful students. I love it when they do. That makes my heart happy. Uh, and I'm the one who gets to talk about the really cheery passage this evening. Come on. Uh, so if you've closed your Bibles, please open them up again. You are going to especially need them this week as things are a bit complicated. Um, but why don't I pray for us before we start this evening? God, I thank you that you are a God of grace, that you are a God of faithfulness, that, Lord, you are so faithful to us, Lord, as we were saying earlier. Faithful you are and faithful you will be. So, God, would you come and speak to us now? Lord, would our hearts and minds be open to what it is you want to say and do in us this evening? In your name, amen. Amen. Uh, you'll be pleased to hear that the main theme of the talk this evening is, isn't divorce. Uh, the title I was given was Faithfulness instead. There you go. And it got me thinking, uh, what is like the thing that I have been most faithful to throughout my life? Um, you know, so aside from the obvious things being like Jesus and my friends and my family, um, I was thinking, I was like, is there anything that I can claim I have been faithful to since birth? Um, I, I might have, does anyone have like any cuddly toys from when they were a baby? Is anyone certain? Yeah, quite a few hands. I'm impressed. Well done. Um, I think I have one, but it's probably like tucked away in my parents' attic now back in London. It's, it's not here, unfortunately. Uh, but I came to the conclusion that probably the thing I have been most faithful to for the longest amount of time is probably Disney. Um, loved Disney movies as a kid. Still do now. I have a Disney Plus subscription and all of that. Um, but I, I just love it. And I figured out of the almost 27 years I've been alive that Disney is probably the thing I have been most faithful to for the longest time. Uh, but if I told you that um, I had only started watching Disney films yesterday, I can't really claim that I've been faithful to them, have I? Because I've only been watching them since yesterday. Faithfulness is something that comes with time. It is a long walk kind of in the same direction. And for us, that direction is towards God. But it is also towards one another, as we see in our passage this evening. In fact, we are called to be faithful to one, to the one God and to one another. And so we're going to explore this and we're going to start off by thinking what it means for us to be faithful to the one God. And we see this right at the start of our passage in verse 10. So again, if you've closed your passage, look at verse 10 for me. Do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Our God is the one true God. He is the one God that we worship. He is one. And at the time of our, our passage this evening, the Israelites, the people of God, they have made a promise with God. God has said to them, I will be your God if you will be my people. And the Israelites say, yeah, okay, we will be your people and you will be our one God. God, we will have no other gods but you. 
And this is what that word covenant means that we see in verse 10 and throughout the passage. If you were here last week, I did a whistle-stop tour of it, and then I got halfway through and realized that I hadn't actually defined what covenant is. So we're going to do that this week, so apologies if you were here last week. But a covenant is kind of essentially like a really intense promise. That's like the best way of describing it. It's a binding agreement between two parties, and they make pledges and promises to one another that cannot be broken. They are committed to each other. Um, also, I'm very sorry, I'm conscious my mic is making a lot of noise, so I'm gonna switch it, because I'm getting annoyed, and I hope probably you are too. Hello, is that better? There we go, that's much better, isn't it? Um, but yes, so a covenant is an agreement made by two parties. They pledge to be faithful to these promises and these pledges that they make to one another. And it is a serious binding agreement. And if you're thinking that it sounds familiar within the context of our passage this evening, then you're right. Marriage is a covenant. It is still, we still use that language today to describe marriage. It is a binding agreement between two parties where they pledge faithfulness to each other, which should not be broken. And the thing is, is that the Israelites are in this covenant relationship with God. And marriage is used as kind of an illustration, a signpost, if you were, to sign the Israelites to their relationship with God. And in the covenant they make, the Israelites promise that they will be faithful to God alone. You know, the words of this covenant, in fact, are right behind me here. The Ten Commandments we see in Exodus 20. And the first one, it says, thou shalt not have any gods but me. The Israelites have, have agreed to that promise. But as we see in our passage this evening, they've gone against it. They've forgotten it. If we look at verse 11. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god. The Israelites are actively rebelling against the covenant agreement that they have made with God. They have made this promise to say, yeah, God, we will worship no other god but you. But then they're going off and allowing themselves to be taken away from that worship by marrying other women who worship other foreign gods. The Israelites are allowed to marry foreign women. There are, we see that throughout the Bible. But it's when they get dragged away from faithfulness and worship to the one true God that it is a problem. God has pledged himself in faithfulness to his people and he asks them to be faithful in return. Again, to use the marriage illustration, in the same way that a husband will pledge to be faithful to his wife and vice versa, God has pledged that faithfulness. In a marriage, you don't want one of the parties to be unfaithful. That's not the heart behind it. And so you kind of get to understand why God is so upset with the fact that the Israelites are wandering and looking away. I think sometimes when we read the Old Testament, it's really easy to look at the kind of example that Israel has set and just look at it and go, oh yeah, we'd never do that. Aren't the Israelites silly? <laughs> and for those of us who are married in the room, you might say to yourself, oh, well, you know, I mean, I, I'm not in this position. My marriage is nothing like the Israelites. Uh, and for those of us who are single in the room, we might go, well, I'm not married, so this doesn't apply to me. But I think quite often the Old Testament stories are in the Bible because they hold a mirror up to us. And they show us that actually the human condition hasn't really changed in thousands upon thousands of years. Because the fact is, there will be things in our life that drag us away from worshipping the one true God. And we will end up worshipping other things in his place. Because the thing is as well is that faithfulness looks like obedience 
We are called to be obedient to God, to be faithful to him and his commands, to worship him alone. I really love the way that the the author, John Mark Homer, puts it. He says, faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction in an age of instant gratification. In a day and age where I can order anything pretty much on this earth to my doorstep the next day, I can't order faithfulness. And so we have to make a conscious decision daily to walk in faithfulness to God and to reject any other things that might claim our worship away from him. Because the thing is, is that I know it's possible, but it's very hard to accidentally marry someone. The Israelites have made a conscious decision to, to marry someone, to be dragged away from, God, from God's worship. And so my question, my first question to you this evening is actually, where consciously might you be putting yourself in a place that takes you away from the worship of God? If we look at verse 15, has not the one God made you, you belong to him in body and spirit. We belong to him in body and spirit. Everything we have, we owe everything to him. Even our actual real existence belongs to him. And so I wonder, these two categories, where might we be lacking in faithfulness to God in worship with our bodies and our spirits? Maybe our bodies, maybe the way that we act, maybe the things that we physically do with our bodies, the words that we say, the things that we do in our day-to-day lives, Where aren't we being dragged away from God's worship in that? But also, what about in our spirits? Actually, in our very spirits, in the core of who we are, can we say that the first thing we love, the first thing that we worship is Jesus? Or actually, do we need to re-pledge ourselves in faithfulness to him this evening? Because the truth of the matter is that no matter what we do, no matter how unfaithful we are, God is always faithful to us. He cannot and will not break his side of the covenant agreement. In the same, in despite the fact that the Israelites were going away and doing whatever they wanted, God was standing there going, I am still your God. And he says that to us this evening. Paul puts it really beautifully in 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. He will always be faithful to us. He cannot go back on his word. And so while we are called to be faithful to God, the Israelites weren't just one person kind of in a desert wandering by themselves, but they were a collective group of people. And they were called to be faithful, not just to the one God, but also to one another. One of the uh, kind of biggest ironies of this evening is that the, uh, the way that the preaching rotor worked out is that they gave a passage about marriage and divorce to the only single member of the evening preaching team. Um, and so I'm going to flip the tables a little bit and talk about myself because I'm, I don't want to talk about marriage the entire time. Um, for those of you that don't know me, yes, I am single. I'm not looking to change that. Um, but I am also an only child, uh, which means that I am chronically independent in a lot of ways. And I find that when I I look at society around me, I kind of have two conflicting messages that are being sent to me. Uh, On one hand, uh, my YouTube algorithm keeps showing me Tinder adverts, um, which I have no interest in whatsoever, and it's quite annoying. Um, But I basically, on one side, have people going, okay, well, why aren't you single? What is going on? What is wrong with you? Why haven't you found someone yet? Like, aren't you just desperately lonely? All those sorts of questions. And then on 
on the other side, I have loads of people coming up to me and going, oh, isn't it great that you're single? You need to stay single, you know, be single, just live your own life, do your own thing, just do whatever it is that you want to do. And it's like culture can't really make up its mind what to do with me. And I'm kind of stuck in this weird place in the middle going, well, okay, like what really is it that I do? But the truth is, is the fact is it's leaked into the church a little bit as well, if I'm being honest. Because in a time and a culture, this, the, our individualistic culture that says you do you and follow your truths, it leads us to the lie that we are completely independent of one another. That actually I don't need you and you don't need me. But that is a complete lie sold by the enemy. The truth is, is that I am not missing out on anything in my singleness. Because first of all, I have Jesus. But second of all, I have all of you. I have the church. The truth is, is that we belong to one another through Jesus. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are the church, we are his body. I've heard the cross referred to as the great leveler. We all stand before the cross on equal footing, belonging to one another. And the truth is, is that God has designed us in community for a reason. As I said before, the covenant that God makes with Israel, yes, he does make it with Abraham and then with Moses, but it infects a whole group of people. It's not just one person who is in covenant with God. My, I am in relationship with God, yes, but we all are together as a community as well. And the thing is, that means that our actions, our decisions, they affect one another. If we look at our passage again this evening, if you turn down to it. Oh, I can't find it now. I have lost it. Uh, ooh, here we go. I think it's verse 14, if I've got it right. Yes. You ask why? It's because the Lord is witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. The thing is, is that the, the men of Israel were going off and kind of marrying women who worshipped a foreign god, but they were divorcing their own wives in order to do so, which is not a great place to be in. And it was likely due to selfish ambition that actually the Israelite men were looking at these foreign women who worshipped other gods and going, oh, actually, they have really great access to like different trade opportunities and new trade guilds and all this sort of thing. And they might have thought to themselves, oh, you know, it's okay, I'll, I'll give, get my wealth and then share it among everyone else. But actually, regardless of their motivations, the divorce that was taking place there had serious effects on the community. You know, the passage even says, if we look at verse 16, the man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect. Now, the feminist in me is sad to say this, but the fact is, is that women needed to be married in ancient Israel. That was the case of it. Women couldn't hold their own property. They couldn't hold their own finances. They were reliant on marriage in order just to get by and to survive in what was quite a brutal society sometimes. By divorcing these women, these men were just leaving these women by themselves, abandoned essentially, with no safeguard, no nothing for their future. But they were also doing something to damage the kind of the signpost that they had of their covenant with God. In divorcing one another, they were saying, well, it's okay, it's fine, you know, it doesn't matter. But what was designed to be that beautiful earthly signpost of the divine covenant was torn which was also implying the fact that actually their covenant with God didn't really matter either. 
The fact is, is that our actions are not done in isolation from one another. What I do affects you and what you do affects me. I really like the way that, again, another American pastor, Paul Tripp, puts it. He says that sin is fundamentally antisocial because sin causes me to love me more than anything else and to care for me more than anything else. My friends, the fact is, is regardless of whether or not you like me, I belong to you and you belong to me. And look around, everyone else. Actually physically turn your heads. Look around. No one's doing it. I want you to do it. I'm not going to stop. There we go. People are starting to look around. You all belong to one another. We are the body of Christ, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are united with one another and we are called to be faithful to each other. We are called to stand together as brothers and sisters and say that we are here. In the same way that God is faithful to us, we are called to be faithful to each other to the best of our ability. And that's hard, but the beauty is, is there's grace when we fail. The truth is, is that, as again, Paul writes, when one part of us hurts, we all hurt. When one part of us rejoices, we all rejoice. And so I wonder what faithfulness actually might look like for us as a church community. Some of us are in small groups, we'll have those good intimate relationships with one another, but I want us to think kind of bigger picture. Think beyond your small group for a minute about every single person in this building. And actually, what does it look like for us to be faithful to each other? And I think there's a few lessons we can learn from our passage this evening. I think the first thing we need to do is we need to remind ourselves what the first thing we are called to be faithful is. What is it? Great, like three people have been listening. What's the first thing we're called to be faithful to? Okay, like 10 more people are listening. We're going to try it one more time. What is the first thing we are called to be faithful to? There we go. We finally got there. We are called to remind each other of that, to spur each other on in the walk. We are called to be faithful as a, to God as a community together to keep encouraging each other when it looks hard to press on in faithfulness to him, to remind each other who we belong to first and foremost, that we belong to Jesus, that we are his and he is ours. But also we're called to put our own interests aside for the interests of everyone else, to step away from that selfish ambition, that ambition that says, I want what I want regardless of how it affects other people around me but actually to look at our actions and what we're doing and ask actually, is what I'm doing gonna harm someone else? Is it gonna break that picture of that relationship that I have with God for this person? And I think really practically, our, our verse gives us a really practical challenge. And again, it's that verse 16. So the man who divorce, hates and divorces his wife does violence to the one he should protect. The fact is, is that there are people in our church community who need protecting. And we are called to do that. We are called to look out for the vulnerable in our community. And in some ways, it will be quite obvious. To some of us, we will know people who are suffering and who are struggling and who need our help. But actually, there are other people as well. Because I am the student pastor, I'm going to mention our wonderful students. These guys who are people who leave home at 18 and barely know how to make pesto pasta. We are called to be, some of them are actually really good cooks. Um, <laughs> we are called to be faithful to our students who are trying to figure out life for themselves and to protect them. To the 20-somethings who moved to Reading for their first job, not knowing anyone here, who are just put into a random house with people they don't know. We are called to protect them. 
to the families that are struggling with parenthood and marriage because of all sorts of complicated life things. We are called to be faithful to and protect them. And for our elderly members of the congregation who are going through all the challenges that that stage of life brings, we are called to be faithful and to protect them. The thing is, friends, we are called to be faithful to one another because God has shown us the ultimate display of faithfulness. And it is from that place that we do it. And so I end with the words at the end of verse 16. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Faithfulness is something that we need to guard and we need to keep it and we need to pursue it in that long direction to be faithful to him and faithful to one another. I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to, we're going to pray. And so I wonder what the challenge is for you this evening. I wonder if actually your faithfulness to the one God has slipped. That actually, as I've been talking, you can sense that kind of nudge in your heart that you've been drawn to be worshipping something else. When actually God is calling you to be faithful to him, the one God. But I wonder as well if there's a challenge for some of us in this church this evening to be faithful to one another. That actually some of us have sat on the sidelines of church because it's easy. And that actually you haven't experienced this faithfulness because you haven't taken that step in. And also, if, if you have a feeling this evening that you're somebody that needs protecting, do tell someone, tell someone on the team, tell someone you came with. We want to be faithful to you and look out for you. My friends, we do it all because we are united in Jesus and he is faithful to us above anything else. And so if you're able, can I invite you to stand and we're going to pray. We're going to wait on God for a minute. Can I encourage you in, in whatever way is comfortable to you, for you to connect with God, you might want to put your hands out in front of you. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to just pray a simple prayer in your heart. Come Holy Spirit. And we're just going to wait. We're going to see what God wants to do. God, I thank you that you are the one God. You are the one God, high and lifted up on the throne. And God, we say as a community that we are, we are worshippers of you alone. God, we want to recommit ourselves as a community in faithfulness to you, Jesus. God, where our, our worship has been distracted, Lord, where there have been other things on the throne, Jesus, would you come and take your place? Lord, I pray that you would come and take the, your rightful place in our hearts as individuals, but also, Lord, for us as a church. Jesus, where we have been distracted, where we have looked to foreign gods. Jesus, we recommit ourselves in faithfulness to you again. And God, I pray that for us as a community, Lord, that we would know what it looks like to be faithful to one another. God, would you stir up faithfulness in us? And God, I pray as well for, 
for our brothers and sisters who are feeling on the outside, who don't know this faithfulness, Lord, would you encourage them to take that step in this evening? And for those of us who are here and, and consider ourselves members of this church, God, I pray now that you would be showing us who it is in this church you want us to be faithful to. God, show us faces, show us names. And God, give us the grace to be faithful where it is hard. But God, would we do all of this looking to you, Jesus, knowing that you are the faithful one. I just wonder if, if for some of you, God, is, his spirit is here. And I think for some of you, he's just reminding you of his faithfulness. I just have a sense that I think there's, there's someone here who is, it feels like God has walked out on you. Like that is the language of the prayer that you're using. Like, God, you've walked out on me. But God is saying, no, here I am. I am faithful to you and I always will be. So come Holy Spirit, would you keep doing whatever it is you're doing? continuing with with worship now to to sing of of god's faithfulness but if if there is anything um that you want prayer for there's the prayer team they'll be at the back by the prayer banner um, please do go and get prayer um i don't know if this was shared at the start of the service if it wasn't i'm going to share it again um but i had a sense as we were praying earlier that actually there are a few individuals that that god really wants to meet with you this evening and it's almost like he's shining a spotlight on something in your life that he wants you to deal with in, in faithfulness and love and so if you feel that kind of nudge of the spirit on your heart, can I please encourage you to go and get prayer, to go and chat with our prayer team. They would love to stand with you in prayer. Yeah, go on, Eddie. Just off the back of that, um, as Lissa said, we were praying before the service and we had a couple of other things that we think God might be saying to, to those individuals who might be in those spotlights. Um, so the first one was an image of a, of a piece of kale with holes in it. Um, and the sense that um, you might be feeling that you have bit, bits missing, that you're a bit, a bit damaged, a bit broken. And that means that you can't really help. You can't be part of that faithfulness that Alyssa talked about helping each other out. But God just wanted to say that you don't have to be perfect to be part of this family. And you don't have to be perfect to be part of the family that's helping each other. There are countless examples throughout the Bible of people who aren't perfect and God still uses them. We also had an image of a boat with a hole in it and the sense that people might feel like they're, they're just, their boat, their life is, is leaking and it has holes in it and nothing you can do can fix it. And the offer of God there is just that he will come and fix your boat. And lastly, um, we had a sense that there was maybe um, someone, maybe a woman, whose name has the, begins with the letter R, who's, who's been hurting um, and is in pain and needs some help from God, needs some healing from God. If any of those speak specifically to you, then please go and get some prayer. There's a banner out the back with some lovely people who'd love to pray for you. And if you've come with people that you know and you trust, either take them with you or turn in your seats and ask them to pray for you. 
pray. Bless worship.